You are now listening to the Build a Brain podcast with Dr. Jeannie Zayer. Join the quest to shape an efficient brain that fires on all cylinders and runs like a fine-tuned machine. You are now in the capable hands of an international presenter and a pathologically optimistic brain builder. Dr. Zaire will give you the right blocks to build that three pounds of cerebral muscle for you, your child, or the young adult you teach or mentor. Block by block, thought by thought, now is the time to build a better brain. Let's get started. Welcome, friends, to Build a Brain. We are on episode 41. This is season two, where we're discussing the parameters of mediated learning experience as identified by Professor Reuven Feuerstein, famous Israeli psychologist who created a program, a cognitive skills program, to help Holocaust survivors get their thinking back. But here we are, 75, 80 years later after World War II, and we're discovering that this program he created for those teenagers and children help everybody, no matter who we are, what we've been through in life, no matter how smart we already are. This program has the delightful ability to help you think about your thinking and to become ever more efficient or proficient at your cognition, so you literally can be a better thinker. So, Kibwe, are you ready for our new topic for today? I am ready. All right. Well, it is about the ability, the ability for a human to change. Sometimes we call it self-change, or it's about believing that I can change the human ability for self-change. So the ultimate goal, you know, that that Reuven had was for change. In fact, he said that change was the one stable characteristic of of a human being. Isn't that cool? Change is the one stable characteristic of a human being. I'm so glad you said that twice because I think we often assume that stability means uh, remaining the same, you know, that, that consistency means remaining the same, mm-hmm. but I don't know that those mm-hmm. things are true. The older I get, you know, I agree mm-hmm. with that statement is that, you know, change is the constant that we have to get good at not being stagnant. The way that I'm living my life, it does seem like the better I am at adapting and pivoting into new stages of my life or to do different things or to take advantage of different opportunities, Mm -hmm. or even see myself in a bigger way sometimes, which is challenging. I feel like those are the things that allow me to be consistent and to be stable. It's not the actual act of not changing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Or am I talking in circles? (laughs) No, you're making sense. You're still Kibwe. And there are characteristics and attributes that you have that you don't want to change. And yet you do need to decide every day, at least every week, how do I flex and what does need to change about how I'm doing things or how I think or even my identity? Is there something that I could improve upon? Now, here's the, here's what I think is the kicker between deciding, do I change this or do I keep that or what? I, that's called wisdom. 
And wisdom is knowing when and what do I change and what do I hold on to. So we we got to be really careful with what we change, with what we change. So I want to start today's um, episode uh, 41 on the ability for the, for the human to self-change or the human ability for self-change. I want to start with a story. I'm going to tell you a story about early in our days at the MindCap Center, we had a family contact us and they had an 18-year-old son who was really stuck with his learning. Now he was really bright. He it was and I think I remember mom saying he was so stuck in calculus. He just wasn't making progress. So obviously he had a lot of cognitive ability already. But they knew he was on the autism spectrum. So sometimes we 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 describe kiddos like this as high-functioning autistic individuals. They used to be called Asperger's syndrome. So we've had all kinds of labels. And at the MindCap Center, we don't care about the label. We want you to tell us, what do you want to work on? What would you like to improve? And that's what we're going to help you with. And if it's involved with cognition or emotion, you know, emotions and controlling emotions with our cognition, by the way, that's what we're going to help you with. So this young man, like I said, was 18 already, and he was um, really tall, much taller than I, and and just like a gentle giant. And he was very nervous to come in to meet with us, and it was hard for him to make eye contact with me. And I knew this was a really tough conversation with for him. But I wanted him there because I wanted him to help with his parents make the decision, do you think MindCap is a good place for you? So I showed him the list of all 12 parameters. So my friends, these are what you've been listening to in season two, intentionality, reciprocity, meaning, transcendence, a sense of competence, a sense of challenge, a sense of belonging, uh, goal setting, goal seeking, goal planning. So these parameters of mediation I have on a handout. They're all just listed. And of course, um, this young man could read really well. So he was reading all these with me as I went through them. And I told him, I said, no matter what, we are going to mediate you for intentionality and reciprocity. We're going to try and make it as meaningful as we can. And we want the work that we do to transcend what you do here. We want you to take it out there into your life. I said, but look at the rest of these. I said, do you see another one here that you would like us to work on? And I could see he was really thoughtful. He looked at that page and and he took his finger and pointed directly at this one. The human ability for self-change. Of all the parameters that a young man diagnosed with autism would choose, that would not be the one I would have thought he would have chosen. But he did. There was something in him that he knew he wanted us to mediate him for change. And the story just gets better. We worked with him for at least a year. Uh, Not all of our clients stay that long. Some just stay for a few months and some stay for a year. And he was one, probably worked with us for at least a year. 
and he finally graduated from high school and the parents invited us to the the graduation party and we were so excited to go here's you know a whole yard full of people house full of people and the dad told me that everyone was asking him what happened to Matthew man he's really different wow in a good way in a good way. They were remarking about how friendly he was and talking to everyone, and he just had matured so much. And of course, these would be people that was extended family that, you know, hadn't seen him for a long time and didn't realize all the work he had been doing at MindCap. So he was such a beautiful example of how a young adult, even on the autism spectrum, can make a decision, yeah, I want to change. And he did. Wow, that's amazing. I I think I discovered a bias that I have while you were speaking. Uh-oh. And I <laughs> realized that I just never think about what people with autism yeah. think about. Yeah. I don't really understand how their mind works. I know that there are specific ways that it works. But to say that I think of them as being wildly reflective people or Mm -hmm. um, that they have Mm -hmm. questions about Mm -hmm. themselves and how they can regulate and change. I just never thought about that before. And so when you said he chose that, I was like, wow. So he's thinking about the way that he thinks and what he wants to be rather than what is exact, what has been prescribed to him and what has been diagnosed over him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really profound I didn't realize that folks who have autism may be thinking the same way that I think, which is that how do I use what I'm good at to really bring out my highest self, to really be the best I can be. And so it's just amazing that he's processing this, even though, you know, people can kind of write you off when they say you have a diagnosis for something and he's not accepting that, which is why he's so, he was so interested in that topic. Yeah. Yeah. We put people in boxes, right? And so that's what labels do. Labels have you put people in boxes and then it blows your mind when you realize, oh, wait, they don't they don't fit in that box. Mm. And and when you've met a person with autism, you've only met one person with autism. So they're all different, just like people with any label you want to put on them, female, uh, black, Democrat, um, Republican, um, American, Australian, they, millions of variations for every human that, that might carry that label might carry 50 or 60 more. So we're, we're such complicated, um, creatures and there's there's a there's an incredible verse that's in Romans 12 too I know you know it it says do not conform to the patterns of this world so this world has a whole bunch of patterns that they want to put us in the boxes right and so we have to have diagnoses and labels and there's got to be a pill for that and a pill for that and and the Paul who wrote this in a in a letter to the Christians who were in Rome at the time. He said, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. In other words, changed by the renewing of your, and do you know what the next word is? 
mind. Yes. And Paul didn't say heart or soul or spirit, you know, that the the kind of the inner workings. Instead, God gave Paul the word mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I think it's, it's fascinating that Paul heard God tell him that word because because Paul would not have understood 2,000 years ago anything about yeah. neuroscience, right? We right, didn't know anything right. about the brain. Literally, it's the last frontier. Neuroscientists are discovering things every day about the human brain that are just wildly fascinating. And so Paul didn't know anything about neuroscience, but God did. God knew what was coming. God knew that eventually humans were going to understand what kind of incredible gift they have with this three pounds of flesh between their ears that is capable of change and improving and learning new ways to walk and talk and interact with other people. And so that verse is kind of my life verse. And for those of you that aren't Christians, just know that it's still a really, really nice verse to think about. Uh, so I'm not trying to offend anyone with my with my religion here, but it is such a beautiful uh, scripture. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And now we know neuroscience has proven that that yeah. is true. That's so good. Ugh, that's mm. so good. So do you know how many neurons you have in your brain, Kibway? I do not. Well, they sick they think about 86 billion neurons. 86 billion, billion. with a uh -huh. B. With a B, and wow. every pair of neurons has the potential of 1000 to 10000 connections with other neurons. So every one neuron, I said pair, but actually it's every single neuron has the potential of either 1,000 or 10,000. They're called dendrites. So these little branches that reach out from every neuron and make networks with other neurons. And every time um, you learn a new podcast skill, like some new software program, right? Um, I'm learning Google Drive and all of the Google Forms. And so I'll have to really focus and work real hard, you know, while I'm trying to learn how this works. And meanwhile, our brain is saying, oh, I don't know how to do that. Just a minute. Let me grow some dendrites for you. And so some neurons start budding out new dendrites and you make new networks for this new learning. So challenge and novelty literally grow your brain. So you want those two things to happen, challenge and novelty. And so for our clients at the MindCap Center, when they do express an interest in changing, or sometimes it's their parents who want them to change, um, we help them understand that none of us are stuck is that there are good ways to change and neuroplasticity, which is the science of the human ability for the brain to change, it's called neuroplasticity, that it happens when we provide it novelty and challenge. Well, that is a lot more hopeful for me instead of, well, it's just the way I am. You know, I'll never be able to do anything different. And I can't see that I could ever learn how to do spreadsheets or learn how to play a guitar or be able to learn that software because that's just too hard for me. That's too much. Yeah. But yet with the right tutor 
the right YouTube video, the right person, <laughs> <laughs> the right person walking beside you, we are capable of learning almost anything. So this particular parameter of mediation, the human ability for self-change, is very impacted by some of the other parameters. For example, the willingness to take on a challenge, the willingness to have a sense of competence or to have someone mediate me to help me understand I do have some skills that I didn't even see in myself. So that we covered already under sense of competence. And then goal seeking, goal setting, and goal planning. Those other three parameters really help us when we want to change something about how we think or how we learn. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Besides novelty, right? Besides growing new dendrites, what are some practical steps to start exercising right away? Mm. If you've been struggling with, mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe some characteristics or some things you've seen about yourself that are troubling mm. to you or that mm. are bothering or that are maybe mm -hmm. hindering you from mm -hmm. being something else. What are the first steps to triggering that human ability to change? The first thing you might have to look at, maybe not, it just depends, is fear. Fear is the number one reason we don't take on a new challenge because of fear of failure. I won't be able to do it and I don't want to look foolish in front of my friends or my family. So uh, fear really keeps us from moving forward and doing new things. And the neuroscientists tell us that fear is natural. It's part of the amygdala's job of keeping us safe. So fear isn't something that we should squash. We sometimes think, oh, I, I have to, um, you know, uh, uh, crush the fear. I have to uh, get rid of it. Well, actually, we can't because fear is a natural response to doing something new. So you should see the fear, which might be butterflies in the stomach. It might be a sense of, of um, dread. Oh, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. You're trying to do something new. And so there naturally will be some fear. So don't deny it or try to crush it or suppress it. Instead, learn to dance with it. The fear's going to be here. So I need to recognize it and say, okay, fearful Freddy, I know you're along for the ride, but I'm not going to let you control it. I'm going to be brave and I'm going to try something new. Even though there's a part of me that is a little bit afraid, I'm not going to let it stop me from taking on a new challenge. So recognizing that fear is normal, everybody has it, learn to dance with it. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. That's, um, yeah, that's, um, that checks out for me for sure. I feel like every time I even decide to, and I journal a lot, even before I'm writing things down, I can already feel like the nervousness about wanting something. And, um, you know, you said fearful Freddy. It's just like you're identifying it and, yeah. and allowing it space. And I, I just think that's, I think that's so powerful because 
we're often taught that, you know, the things that you're afraid of indicate your weaknesses, you know, indicate that mm-hmm. you're incapable, mm-hmm. indicate yes. that you yes. are, are, are less than. Mm-hmm. And the way that you describe it makes it actually, it makes it seem as though you are actually more complete and you are more um, prepared because all of these faculties are working. You just mm-hmm. have to control who is driving at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you said something else that I wanted to expound on a little bit. You said controlling emotion with cognition. Can you talk about that just a little bit more? <laughs> uh, Piaget was a famous uh, uh, French and Swiss psychologist that Reuven Feuerstein studied under. And he's known to teachers and psychologists as the first uh, person that decided to investigate the intellectual development of children. And Reuven studied uh, under him at the University of the Sorbonne. And Piaget said that cognition and emotion are the two sides of the same coin. So we often, our emotions drive our thoughts, but our thoughts can help control our emotions, right? It's very much a cycle. And Reuven added to that quote, he said, and the coin is transparent. Begin with cognition. So at the MindCap Center, we teach people all about their frontal lobes and their executive functions, and we teach them about emotions, but we don't counsel or do therapy about what to do about your emotions. We just make sure you know the names of the seven universal emotions. How to read them on other people's faces is extremely important for social uh, skills, is to be able to read someone else's face and know that they are surprised or disgusted or fearful or happy or sad. And then when I can recognize what the emotions are and I feel it bubbling up in me, how can I have my um, my frontal lobes stay in control? So when the amygdala, that little place in our brain that monitors the big emotions like fear, anger, disgust, um, even passionate love, the amygdala would sense. It's real tiny. The amygdala is only about the size of the end of your thumb. And your and of course, your prefrontal cortex is this whole forehead region. So which, which do you want managing your life? Do you want your little brain or your big brain? So you want your cognition to control your emotions, not your emotions to control your cognition. So that's why Feuerstein advocated we build up cognition so that you have more skills to handle those strong emotions. That is worth the price of admission right there. (laughs) I I hope that you know, set some people free, you know, because mm-hmm. I think it's it's really difficult to figure out what to do in the moment or even to process high emotions as mm-hmm. they're happening. You know, and mm-hmm. for some people, they don't have a great game face. You know, you may have a great game face, Jeannie, you know what I'm saying? Because yep. you, not only do you understand the brain, but you also have had enough life experiences to not rock you from left to right, depending on what's going on. And that's a gift that you have. Everybody is not necessarily gifted in that way. Some people are highly emotional and that's a gift. You know, I tell um, Lauren, my lady all the time, 
because she she cries about a lot of things. She's very it don't take nothing. You, she will be in tears. You know, she's just <laughs> very emotional. And um, I and my brother is that way as well. And um, I told her I was like, that's a gift. You know, like, I understand. You know, when you're kids, people laugh at you because you cry or this or that. You know, I said, but that's a gift. Being able to understand and have empathy and those are real gifts from God to be able to connect with other humans in a way that everybody just can't do. They just don't have the capacity for empathy that way. So hearing you talk about, you know, using your cognitive tools that you learn from this podcast or that you learn from MindCap, you know, is going to help you process those strong emotions that you may be Mm -hmm. dealing with. I think it's so powerful. And that's Mm -hmm. another reason why I just really love this podcast and learning from you because, you know, just like everybody listening, I learn this stuff. I write things down. If you watch on YouTube, you see me looking all over. I'm taking notes. I'm doing different things because this is, these are real scenarios and it's not just, um, you know, very isolated uses uh, that the this information is good for. And so um, thank you so much for explaining that. You said controlling emotion with cognition. And I was like, we got to go back there. So thank you for <laughs> enlightening that. You're welcome. It has been so good to be with you again, Kibway. And I hope all our listeners uh, will give us some five stars and some good reviews. And I hope, friends, that you will share this podcast with with people that you care about uh, and that maybe it will help them as well. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we will see you for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Build a Brain podcast. If you're wanting to know more information on how to build a brain, please visit the website for the MindCap Center in Fort Wayne, Indiana at www.mind-cap.org. That's www.mind-cap.org. Children and adults from across the United States and Canada have found the cognitive help they needed at the MindCap Center. The specialized team is trained in all levels of the Feuerstein program and can literally help you or your child build a better brain. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.